to head into a decidedly lighter note here in this next segment, talking about generosity and the ways that God can use people like you and me um, for his purposes. So in the series that we started a few weeks ago, we've been talking about what it means to be generous-hearted people and how we can follow Jesus into the way of love. Last week, we talked about lifestyle giving, where you make it a part of your pattern. You're not just reacting to situations around you, you're actually planning ahead to be a giver. Uh, And then the week before that, we talked about compassionate generosity when we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan and just thinking, you know, as agents of light and love in this world, we always can be ready to share. We can always be ready to set aside our own agenda and care about another person. And the things that we can give, the things we can be generous with, are actually very numerous, whether we think of ourselves as rich or poor. Because not only can we give money, but we can also give thanks, we can give encouragement, we can give prayer, we can give help, we can give energy, we can give our talents, might give our property, might give hospitality, you might give expertise, you might give connections that you have. There's all sorts of ways that you can give, that you can be generous when you start to think of yourself as intentionally wanting to bless other people. So all throughout God's word, we're encouraged to give, and we're also encouraged to receive the ultimate gift that God wants to give to us. And then we follow his example and gratefulness to him. We say, of course, I want to give the way that God gives to me. So generosity is a part of a lot of the ins and outs of our Christian life and, and really even just a happy life in general. It's, it's mo- the motivations for generosity change you. They help you overcome greed. They help you keep perspective on eternal things or important things rather than just yourself. Uh, They also can help you enjoy work because sometimes when you're working and you say, I'm so tired of this job, I don't want to do this task, but then when you realize you're not just doing it for you, you're doing it because you can love, you can care, you can provide for your family, you can love other people, you can give to important things out of the productivity of that. And ultimately, in addition to some other things, generosity is our pathway toward extending God's love. And so we would all look at our lives and say, wow, God has given me touches of his love through other people more times than I could count. God has been generous to me through the touches of other people. So Lord, help me to be now a channel for your generosity outgoing. So today, we're going to introduce a third type of giving, and for me, I'll just say right up front, this type of giving is like my love language. This is the, this is the thing I get the most excited about when we talk about generosity, and that is strategic giving. Here's what it means. It's when I think about completing our mission rather than only contributing to good things. Do you think sometimes when giving, when, it's, when, when you sort of start the conversation about giving inside of you, you might say, well, how much can I give? Or what good can I contribute to? When you start a conversation about generosity with the strategy of what needs to be accomplished, then come back and say, now what part can I play in that? That's what I would call strategic giving. Uh, you're not just there to react to a Good Samaritan situation, and you're not just there to say, hey, a certain percentage of my income or my time, I'm donating to something good. You're actually looking at the world and saying, what needs to be accomplished in this world? Lord, would you help me to be a part of seeing those things through? Uh, help me take a project over the finish line. Help me really help another person. It's not just about giving from my perspective where I say I feel good that I gave. 
No, I actually want the thing to be accomplished that I'm giving toward. Okay, so this is actually a really neat way to think. And the more you think this way, the more opportunities you'll see around you for strategic giving in many different categories. Okay, so we're going to walk through it. But first, I'd like you to turn in the Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. 2 Corinthians 5 is when the Apostle Paul is essentially making a defense of his ministry to a church that was scratching its head and saying, like, should we really be listening to you? Like, there's a lot of other voices out there. And so the first part of the book of 2 Corinthians is about Paul essentially explaining why they should pay attention, why he was given a commission by Jesus to give, news, give the good news of the gospel and give direction to the churches. And he's saying, hey, this is, this is who God has called us to be. Won't you join us in that? And so when we read this, we're reading about Paul actually saying, here's part of his identity, but we also, in it, we see what God wants us to think and act like. Okay, so 2 Corinthians 5, after the first part of the chapter, he talks all about eternity and how this world, this present world is passing away, this body that we live in, the physical body we have is passing away, there's something greater coming. Um, And then he says that they have a responsibility, that we have a responsibility to the Lord. Let's start reading in verse 17. It says, This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. The new life has begun. We've got this amazing gospel, right, that would say transformation and new life and hope are possible for every person. And if you'll step forward toward God, you can become a new creation as well. God can change your life. Verse 18, all this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciling people to him. So here's the picture. God has given you life transformation and hope in the gospel. He's changed your direction in life, and now you have a testimony of what God has done for you. But God has also given you a task, and that is to lead other people toward him and help them reconcile with God. So you think reconciling, you don't necessarily have the power to work things out between God and another person, but what you do is you bring those two parties together. Of course, God is willing, so really what you're doing is you're bringing that other person to God so that they can encounter Jesus the same way that you have. And Paul basically says, hey, that is our mission, like as apostles back then, and that's our mission today as well. Verse 19, for God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sin so that we could be made right with God through Christ. So God has made us his ambassadors. We get to represent him in this world. We get to offer people the same opportunity that we had to come close to God, to be reconciled to God, and then to become a new creation. So it's an amazing mission, right, that we've all been handed as now disciples of Jesus that are following in the footsteps of the disciples before us and the disciples before us and people like Paul and Peter and the New Testament, we're carrying that forward. We also are ambassadors. 
light bearers, representatives of God's way in this world. So let me ask you this. If you take that label seriously, if you'd say, I am supposed to be bearing a light, I am an ambassador for Christ, should you bring a little bit of strategy to the table in that important role? Or should you just let things happen kind of randomly? So I think strategy is really important. Not that we wouldn't say we're flexible or that God could redirect us, but when we think about God has given us a, the, essentially the most important task on earth to fulfill, bringing people to him, that's something we should not just take seriously in an inspirational way, but we should take it seriously in a practical way. Like, well, if this is our job, how will we do it? How will we accomplish this mission from the Lord? So that's where we get back to the thing that I would say is like a love language for me. You familiar with the love languages thing in marriage, you know, gifts and acts of service? And this one's not in the official list. Strategic planning. Um, and uh, but, and not, not everybody's motivated by that, I realize, but you'll just have to bear with my excitement as we go through this. Um, what will it take to complete our mission? We're, we're to be an ambassador for Jesus. We're supposed to share light and love with the whole world. So what will it take to see that mission accomplished? Now, our Christian mission in summary, you could actually turn to many texts in the Bible, but I think two, two that are just super obvious and clear. One is Matthew 28, 19. We call that the Great Commission, so we refer to that a lot in our church. The Great Commission is essentially the... Here's the mission Jesus handed to the disciples right before he left this world. And he said, all power in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, you go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I've commanded you. And I'll be with you even to the end of the age. So Jesus said, hey, I've been given this power by God, and now I'm sharing it with you. Go and make disciples. Go and multiply the good that needs to happen in this world. If, so you think about all the transformation that God has made possible for you. Say, your job, your primary job on earth right now is to multiply that. In the same way that you're a disciple of Jesus, learning from him, walking with him, your job is to help other people become disciples as well, and then teach them how to obey Jesus the same way that you do. And then Jesus says, as you do that job, I am with you. Even to the end of the age, I'm right there next to you helping you do this. Okay, so our Christian mission in summary, we could say, well, it is to go and make disciples of all nations. We're to be a disciple of Jesus, start learning from him, and then our mission is to go out and help other people follow Jesus as well. Mark 16, 15 says, go and preach the gospel to every person. So here's the good news of the gospel, all the things that Jesus has done, what he's made possible. Our mission is to go and make sure every person on earth knows that. Can't force people to respond to it, but we can make sure they know, right? We can offer them an invitation to step into life with God. So if that's our Christian mission, in summary, then in a strategic plan, we would say, well, um, how would we actually go about doing that? What, what stands between us and our mission being accomplished? What needs to be done in this world in order to see that mission fulfilled? So, walking it through a little bit, I thought we would take this really practically and do some really obvious stuff, but the point of that is to set up 
our task this week, which is to pray about how we're to be involved in strategic generosity, strategic giving. Okay? So when I think about the Great Commission, we're going to make disciples of all nations, we're sharing Jesus' love in every direction, what will it take to see that mission accomplished? So you could go to the sort of the top level view and you could say, well, every nation, and the Bible word for nation is actually people group in our terminology, so a, a clear gospel access for every people group on earth. Now I'll ask you this, the people group that you belong to, that we belong to here, um, in our region, do we have gospel access? Obviously we do, right? We're all sitting right here right now. Does every person on planet Earth have gospel access right now? No. Does every language group have gospel access? Not exactly, right? There are some languages where the Bible isn't actually translated into the language of a person. Uh, there are some countries that, for political or economic reasons, have completely closed doors and there are no churches. There is no Christian witness in whole communities. So at the first level of thinking about the Great Commission and saying strategically what needs to be accomplished, well, a door needs to be opened for every kind of person in the world to be able to encounter Jesus. And that's not done yet. Okay, so that's in strat planning here. That's level one, right? Well, obviously, we'd have to open doors all around the world for that uh, to happen. The next level goal that you'd say, well, if people are going to learn about Jesus and start to follow him, then you drop down a level from like the people group national level and you say, well, let's talk about neighborhoods. Let's talk about communities. In each community, a life-giving church needs to be there in order to give life, in order to help make those disciples. Church doesn't mean building like what we have. It doesn't even mean an organization. It just means a group of Christians who are committed to the Great Commission. So every community would need that for us to say our mission is accomplished in this world. So in our community right here, is there a life-giving church trying to reach the neighborhood? Hopefully yes, right? That's us. Uh, there are also others, thankfully, that we get to partner with in that journey. But I'll ask you again, does every neighborhood in the world have a life-giving church? Certainly not. Uh, there are many thousands of communities across the world. There are even communities throughout America that don't have that. Uh, there might even be sub-communities inside of our city right here in our little region where we would say even though there are churches you know sort of physically nearby there are whole subgroups of people who will probably never be reached by those churches that's where every neighborhood every group of people needs someone who's attending to try to reach them or else disciples won't be made of that nation we won't accomplish our mission okay you drop down one more level say well the third goal area would be that every person in each of those neighborhoods we're talking about experiences God's love and hears about Jesus. It's kind of obvious, right? But you would look around, and that's where you're at a very local level now. You might even look at your street, and you just look around, look at the houses that are nearby to you, and say, do those people, have they felt God's love? Has anyone ever shared Jesus with those people? Um, if you, you, you almost start with the global view, and you start shrinking it down all the way to the person who's next to you, to your neighbor. And you say, okay, at every level of that, for our mission to be accomplished... Uh, for everyone everywhere to hear the gospel and for disciples to be made of all nations, we would need those three things to happen, right? So that's a little strap planning for you, but I thought I would add one fourth goal that seems like it makes a lot of sense to me um, in this scheme, and that would be we would need more Christians taking the first three goals seriously and personally. Because this is not just a job for a few 
Bible experts or something out there. This would be every disciple of Jesus mobilizing to go make more disciples of Jesus, to say, what is my mission inside of the Great Commission? And as God gives us that, as we start living that, we start finding all sorts of opportunities to engage with the world around us. And that's where strategic giving comes in, where you're no longer saying, I'll just react. Like if someone presents a need to me, sure, I'll pray about meeting that need. We should do that. But that's one level, right? At this level, we're actually looking around saying, what needs is no one meeting? Where Where does the gospel need to advance so that we have the opportunity to help complete our mission? Okay, so we're gonna walk through a little bit more of the strat planning stuff, and then we're gonna come back to the challenge for the morning, all right? We can take the four goals then and start creating a checklist of what would need attention. And so you would just start praying about this in your own heart, in your own mind, like, well, what people groups need the gospel today? All right, so it's one thing to say somebody out there is in need. Well, let's make a list of who, who, who is that? What places on earth actually don't have access to the gospel? What neighborhoods need churches? Um, I was a part of, gr- of a group a few years ago that had an objective, a global objective, of seeing one life-giving church planted for every 1,000 people on earth. Because in their analysis of things, um, most churches are going, that's about how, what you can reach. Like unless you become a mega church, you essentially can have a circle of impact of about 1,000 people. And so then you would say, well, based on that, how many churches are needed in Berrien County? How many churches are needed in, you know, some city in China? Like you could start doing the math and it gives you a sense of, is there enough gospel activity in an area already uh, or is more needed? And the reality is when you look at the math that way, virtually every place on earth could use more gospel activity. Um, Who in my neighborhood and community needs a touch of God's love and to hear about Jesus? So that's where you just look around you. You start saying, well, the street I live on or the community that I live in, 